0: Hello, I'm Georgia Galanudis, president of New York Women in Communications or New York Wiki. Welcome to our Women Heard Changemakers podcast. This is for the communications community where I have the privilege of talking to female changemakers and inviting them to share their stories of resilience. These are personal or professional moments in their career that demonstrate how humanity and growth are not mutually exclusive where if you can lead with empathy and compassion, you can establish even more sustainable models for business progress and personal success. In this episode, it is my honor to host Mindy Henderson, an Editor-in-Chief, an author, and disability advocate. Mindy was introduced to me earlier this year by New York Wiki Pass president, Kristen Welker, for which I'm incredibly grateful. Mindy and I have been getting to know each other over the past several months. We're finding ways to work together and building a firm friendship. Welcome, Mindy. I'm grateful to have you with me today. Oh, thank you so much for having me. It is my pleasure. So Mindy, as I've gotten to know you a little bit, you have navigated such an interesting career. You started in the world of high tech. You shifted into sort of a publishing environment. You've really doubled down on your advocacy. And you've truly, I think, found your voice. Today, you are the editor-in-chief of Quest Media. This is the publishing platform of the MDA, the Muscular Dystrophy Association. And through the content that you and your team create, you are supporting a community of over a million people in the US that are affected by some form of neuromuscular condition. We are chatting to each other in the month of October, and this is National Disability Employment Awareness Month, um, N-D-E-A-M for short. Uh, I know that one of your passion areas through our conversations is to bring more people with disabilities into the workforce. Mindy, can you talk to us a little bit about your personal efforts in this area and how Quest Media's mission and your team empower individuals with disabilities, especially those in the neuromuscular disease community.
1: Yes, thank you for for all of that. It's been a wild ride. And, you know, the the place that I'm sitting in today, I think, as you mentioned, I feel like I finally landed in the right place at the right time doing what i'm supposed to be doing you know and what we try to do with quest media if i were going to boil it down into one word it's empower. because the the disability community in the united states is arguably the largest minority in our country one in four people lives with a disability now the neuromuscular Community is smaller than that, but um, it's still quite a large community. Neuromuscular diseases are made up of a lot of very rare diseases, um, anywhere from you know conditions that could have anywhere from fifty people to you know, five or 10,000 people maybe who um, are are living with these conditions. And there are over 40 different neuromuscular diseases, depending on how you slice and dice it. Um, Some would say that there are actually several hundred of these conditions with all of the subtypes, types and variants and, and things. So it's a, my point is that there's a lot of people that we are talking to and really trying to empower in all areas of their lives. Um, we call Quest Media an adaptive lifestyle platform. We do publish a lot of science and research information that's relevant to the neuromuscular disease community. And being informed about your own condition, of course, is very, very important when you're talking about being empowered. Um, But also, we've We've seen a huge appetite in this community for people who are clamoring for information about things like employment and um, accessible travel, accessible air travel, even you know, adaptive clothing. Um, fashion and style that's accessible to them, representation in the media and entertainment. So we dabble in a lot of areas and we're very interested in empowering this community through information, tools and resources. But in doing this, I, I like to think that we're also really participating in a greater conversation that's creating progress. For the disability community, that's my hope.
0: That's amazing. I mm-hmm. I love to hear this. Um, the visibility element of it is everything, right? If you mm-hmm. cannot be seen, um, then it's too easy to not be understood and not be embraced. And so, yeah. I well, love- and that's why I think the the
1: media and the entertainment piece of this is actually so critically important. I was talking to someone about this the other day and that's what you know, that's that's where things are put into our line of sight regularly. And there are still so few examples or positive examples of people with disabilities that are put into our line of sight through these mediums and you know believe it or not putting, you know, creating more and more inclusion in television and media and and movies and advertising, all of those things is going to improve the employment landscape because it's, you know, once you become exposed to something that you aren't comfortable with potentially, or maybe haven't been exposed to in your own life, Um, That's how you're going to get comfortable with it. And, you know, I I think that that's going to open a lot
0: more doors and a lot more areas. Yeah, bravo. I, you know, when I think about what we're trying to do at New York Wiki, we're always about trying to elevate the less represented voices, right? As we take on the charge of supporting and empowering young women in the communications field throughout their career journey. Mm -hmm. We've done a decent job, I would say, of bringing in some diversity around people of color, women of color, Mm -hmm. Um, but we have to acknowledge that that is such a small portion when we need to think about the diversity of the world around us and the voices that need to be lifted up. And given exposure and given visibility. So it's been something we have been quite focused on this year in terms of broadening, making sure we have a much broader perspective Mm -hmm. um, and catching ourselves when we don't. I think that's what's important, too, for the employment community out there. You have to recognize where you are. You have to be honest and transparent with where you are. Because if you don't do that, you're already not even acknowledging that you've got further to go. So I think we can all just accept that we're on this journey and just keep on it. Absolutely. And I think as long as you are
1: on the journey, nobody's going to fault you for where you are in that journey. You know, I, I think that as long as you're, your intentions are good and you're putting some action behind those intentions. Um, I, I think that's, um, that's, that's all that you really need. And I think that a lot of people don't step into this space because, you know, there's people want to be sensitive about disability. You know, they don't want to hurt anyone's feelings or make mistakes or, um, or things like that. And so maybe they just, you know, they kind of hold back and don't step into that piece of things. Um, But, you know, unfortunately, I think the only way that you're going to learn and grow is to make the first hire and then make the second hire and learn as you go. And as long as you're, you're again, kind and well-intentioned and you're um, you're adapting and, and have some flexibility I think that's all anyone would ask
0: of anyone. Fabulous, here, here. We all need to be prepared to take some risks and get Mm -hmm. out of our comfort zones and Mm -hmm. take that step forward. Absolutely, and you know one of the the biggest misconceptions
1: about hiring people with disabilities is that the accommodations they'll need are very very expensive. And I love to tell people because it is such a common misconception that the the on average the the, the typical the the standard ex, um, accommodation that someone might need is five hundred dollars or less. Mm-hmm. Um, and in a lot of cases. Um, there may be absolutely zero cost to implementing what a person might need in order to be able to do their jobs. And I have to tell you, I know that we want to talk about a lot of other things as well, but I heard a term that I fell in love with. And so I'm trying to evangelize this as as much as I can wherever I go. Um, But, you know, people talk about accommodations in the workplace. And I heard someone, it's actually a a company called Inclusively that um, is um, sort of a job uh, forum for individuals with disabilities. And they do a lot of training of employers and things like that. They actually refer to uh, accommodations as success enablers, which I thought was brilliant because it really levels the playing field. And really all you're talking about is the things that your employees, whoever they may be, need whatever the things that they need to do their jobs well and as effectively as possible so
0: i i loved that and i had to share oh <laughs> ah, it's fantastic we we we're all we all should all be thinking about that all the time about all of our employees what makes this uh-huh. any different and i think that's the point point. and the working from home thing um boy yes in so many ways uh, uh-huh. the, a bright spot and a gift to create yes. that type of flexibility there are many, many, many jobs out there where that is incredibly viable, possible, doable. Uh, it's just uh, opened up everybody's eyes. It really yes. has. It really has. And yeah, so
1: I, I think that that was a, a fantastic perk of the, yes. the pandemic.
0: Yeah, we take whatever we can, we can get. Can out say of that. Yes. <laughs> yeah. Exactly. <laughs> In this space, Mindy, I really like to find an opportunity for my guests to share stories, uh, personal stories, professional stories, often some combination of the two, because very often it is about a combination of our work life and our home life. Breakthroughs, times when you've had to push through something, push through some resistance, either from the inside, right? We are very often our own toughest critics or when you're battling outside forces. And for someone such as yourself, who is living and thriving with disability um, or with your own abilities, right? Yeah, sure. um, you need to push through challenges and find um, resiliency. I, I know in our conversations, your journey to where you are today has not always been easy, although I will tell you, you've made it look incredibly easy. Can you share a little bit about your about your journey you've been on, how you've broken through some barriers, um, whether they've been outside forces or some of your own um, hurdles you've had to overcome
1: yeah, it's it's interesting. I couldn't agree with you more about the importance of something like resiliency in our lives. And unfortunately, the only way you can achieve resilience is by going through some really really hard things and bouncing back from them. Um, and so, you know, I I don't know another human on this planet who hasn't gone through their own set of of challenges and struggles and i think that that's you know just it's the human condition is is going through yeah, some really hard days and some really hard things. Um, but what's important is is coming back from those things. So um, I'll, I'll try to to be brief. Um, I've I've learned a, a lot of really hard but powerful lessons. I think. Um, so I was born with a condition called spinal muscular atrophy. I was diagnosed when I was only about fifteen months old. My parents were actually told at the time that I was diagnosed that I would, in fact, lose all of my ability to stand and walk, which was true. Um, I, uh, but they also told my parents that I would lose all of my cognitive function, um, which, you know, sitting here speaking to you today, so clearly that one was um, did not prove to be true. And they were also told that I wouldn't live to be three. Um, And I've, I've had a lot more birthdays than three, Um, but, you know, I I kind of call it the sentence of life in a wheelchair, no parole, no probation, despite good behavior. Mm. Um, (laughs) But um, so that was, that was my start to life. And I was, I think, really fortunate. And I'm very aware that I had some experiences that not everybody gets And, you know, I think everybody's on their own journey and comes through things in their own ways. But I had a family that was very empowering. Um, They didn't let me make excuses. They still had expectations of me. And I had an able-bodied, still have an able-bodied sister. um, And they expected the same things of both of us. You know, it was, that was just the way it was and um, I was expected to do well in school, to have friends, all the things, and I think that that was vitally important. Not everyone has a family as supportive as that, but it was vitally important to my path because it taught me really early not to shy away from doing hard things because they were hard, Um, and, and, you know, taught me not to make excuses for Things that I didn't want to do because they were hard. Um, and then the other influence that came along really early in my life was the Muscular Dystrophy Association. They made me their Texas State Ambassador when I was only four. And um, we eventually relocated to Florida, and I got to be their Florida state ambassador. And so I did this work for about eight years eight or ten years and so I gave my first speech when I was four and you know I, I I grew up going to to funny events and meeting amazing generous incredible people and giving speeches and and things like that I I do think that that's probably those early beginnings are what guided me toward the career that I have now. It was a long windy road to get there, but ultimately I think they set me up um, for, for where I am today. Um, But, you know, doing that taught me how to turn lemons into lemonade and how you could turn something so negative, something that could have been such a negative influence in my life into something positive. And Um, So I was very fortunate. Um, Fast forward, I did have, you know, I went to college, I earned a master's degree, married, kids, the whole, the whole thing. Um, I did have a 20-year career in high tech where I worked for three different companies over the course of 20 years, big companies with thousands of employees. I was the only person in a wheelchair I ever saw. And i think that that was it 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 felt uncomfortable in a lot of ways um over the course of that time because i i didn't have anyone else who looked like me or who shared some of the same challenges that i had going to work every day and and you know people someone who I I knew of there are a lot of invisible disabilities in that out there that we never know about. but as far as I knew, I was the only person that was asking for accommodations or success enablers. And so you know, it was it was a struggle over the course of that that stretch of my career. But I don't think I realized how formative maybe it was until, my second career and I actually was laid off from the last company that I worked for um, and it was the best thing that could have happened to me. It really was and you know if there's anyone listening that is in this position right now, it really can be the best thing that happens to you and set my my career on a whole new trajectory. and what I found was because I looked for three years for another job. I interviewed, I have this ridiculous spreadsheet. I I applied for, I think, 400 jobs, um, something close to that in those three years, interviewed, actively interviewed, going through between one and five rounds of interviews with 65 different companies for different positions. It was like, I tried. I really, really tried to get another job doing what I'd been doing for 20 years, but I think, and when that wasn't coming to fruition, I started to realize I'm going to have to come up with something else, you know, because, you know, the the bills still have to be paid and the dogs want kibble every single day and all of that, so I I had what I call kind of my bathroom floor moment because I'd gotten another job rejection um, that I was positive I was going to get this job. And it it had been, you know, 10 months at this point. um, And I had this moment where I realized that I could either become the worst version of myself and get angry and frustrated and all of those things, or... I could hire myself and Mm -hmm. create a career for myself. I had wanted to write a book forever. I had wanted to be a motivational speaker forever. And I said, you know, I'm going to try my hand at these things. I'll keep looking for another job, but we'll, we'll see what happens. And eventually, because I was, I think finally, leaning into who I really authentically was, and embracing it with, you know, not just two arms, but, you know, 86 imaginary arms coming out of my body, I was embracing it with everything that I had. And I think that that was the difference that, you know, when I when I started to do that, I started to see success. And, the opportunities started opening up. And one day, MBA out of the blue, a vice president at MDA who had been following me on social media and watching this journey that I'd been on, um, reached out and asked me to come and start, uh, develop, help them develop a podcast. Um, and from there, it became a full time job. And so, very long story, long. Um, You know, I I think that that was is one of the biggest um, lessons I think that I can share with you and your listeners that I've really learned the hard way is that just the importance of showing up as who you are every single day. Because back when I was working in high tech and even to an extent growing up, I wanted, I was, I was a bit of a chameleon, you know, and you can't hide a wheelchair, but, you know, I, I tried very much to downplay my disability and be this chameleon that was just, just like everyone else and just as good as everybody else, you know, and that's, that's exhausting. And the fact of the matter was I was just myself, you know, and I, I didn't have to put all of this energy into hiding and, measuring up and i i just needed to be who i was and i think i would have been a lot happier in that first 20 year career um but now it's it's just proven in spades to me that you know being who you are i think is going to get you to the right place in this world
0: i i it's hard (laughs) for me to even find the words because it is the the it sounds simple it's Mm. not simple and this was a 25 year process (laughs) yeah and i and i think we're all on this journey of some uh, on some on some level right of Mm -hmm. finding the the confidence the strength the pathway towards being our own authentic self and it is in when we are able to do that, we show up as our best selves. Mm-hmm. The success comes. Our ability to support the people that we love around us becomes that much more accessible as well. Yes. It's not easy, but it is something that we have to each remind ourselves of. And that's mm-hmm. your your story really. Is powerful. Thank you.
1: I I appreciate you saying that. And, you know, I think you're absolutely right. It's not easy. It's easy to say it's not easy to do. I think I was finally forced into that place um, where, you know, I I had to embrace all of this and my, you know, the, the other passions that I had and, and things like that, that was the only way that I was going to be, have any kind of success with those things and so i had no choice but i think for anyone who's listening if you can just lean into it a little more every day and show others because you're also kind of do- doing other people a disservice if you don't in knowing the real you and when they know the real you they know what you can really do with with your talents and your skills and and everything that you've got and and i think that also because particularly as women we do hide so much of of who we really are i think and um and and i think that what we will all find when we do just let it all hang out is that we're all hiding the same insecurities and we're all waiting for each other to share our true stories, you know, and, and there's, I I wrote a book called the truth about things that suck. And, um, I interviewed a lot of women before I wrote this book. And one of the things that every single thing that the, the, the women that I, I'm sorry, every single woman I interviewed told me was that, they went through something hard or they were hiding something that they didn't feel good about. And the second they owned it and shared it with somebody, the weight lifted and it felt like it freed everyone else also to, to share with them what they had been hiding. And so, you know, I, I think we can be better sisters to each other also, you know, if, if we
0: Absolutely. share Mm-hmm. absolutely absolutely and it it is an exchange of yes. energy and mm-hmm. um not to get sort of all woo-woo about it but, huh. but I love the, the world book. yes the world really does exist on that exchange of energy and I think you said it so beautifully it not only does it create sort of resistance but boy, do you have to use so much more energy to try to manufacture when you're in uh, uh, an environment or you're in your own skin and it's not right or it's not fitting. And that is energy that could go to so much better use in this Mm -hmm. world when we're so desperate for more positive Mm -hmm. energy, when there are so many people that are, suffering that are lonely that are um, needing some comfort and I think as women we need to do everything we can to find that authentic self to put more of our positive energy out there for each other
1: it's so true it's so true and the more I'm thinking about it as we're talking you know because of what I felt like I had to hide and what I felt like I couldn't talk about. There were skills that I have innately within myself that would have been so useful to my employers. Um, It would have been useful to them. I I could have probably furthered my career more than I did. Um, And I just, I didn't expose those things
0: because I was afraid to. Well, this is such a wonderful conversation with you, Mindy. Well, you are an inspiration, and I think we all want that, not just for ourselves, but for everyone around us. And, um, oh, what a wonderful, wonderful way to um, spend time with you, Mindy. I, I want to say to the audience that's listened, um, if you've enjoyed this as much as I have, I'm sure you have, you take a look out for Mindy's book with wisdom in it, more (laughs) wisdom than we shared today, the truth about things that suck and really looks into what you've done and what you've found to be most helpful in cultivating a healthy mindset about everything that we need to do in our lives, um, especially as we navigate through things that can be challenging. So thank you again, Mindy. Thank you. It's such a pleasure.
1: I, I've loved this conversation and I've I've loved getting to know you. So thank you.
0: Same. So folks, please subscribe or tell a friend to listen in. You can find the New York Wiki Women Heard podcast on Apple Podcasts and Spotify or at our website at nywici.org, newyorkwiki.org forward slash podcast.
2: You've been listening to Women Heard presented by New York Women in Communications. I'm your host, Julie Hockheiser-Ilkovich. Thank you to our incredible producer, Liz Roberts, and the amazing team that works on this podcast. Chelsea Orkut, Chrisanne Grize, Mandy Carr, Alex Fetter, who wrote our original theme music, and all of the wonderful volunteers on the podcast committee. A special thank you to Donna Jean Plant and everyone at New York Wiki who supports us. For more information about New York Women in Communications, including how to join and all about upcoming events, go to nywiki.org. That's nywic.org. And please take a moment to rate and review our show wherever you get your podcasts. Thanks for listening.